Here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. On Q Financial Studio this morning, and we're here live every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Again, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio, the we also includes social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. And producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing and being part of a lot of shows at Lotus Broadcasting Mags, also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network and the host of the UNLV football pre-pregame show on our other sister station, ESPN Radio Las Vegas. We are also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and Twitch. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Adeline Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp Studio Line, 702-876-1340. Use it. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor Residential Bank Corp and OnQ Financial. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp and OnQ Financial are the companies to turn to for all of your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 to get information on all of the home financing options currently available right now in the state of Nevada. On tap, we'll talk a little bit of Vegas Golden Knights. A couple of coaches picked up. And I should say one one kind of retained and moved up. One picked up. And also uh, the Vegas Golden Knights did sign their first-round draft pick. We will talk about that. And a pretty cool article I want to talk about that Ken Bulky wrote in Sinbin about uh, how strong the Vegas Golden Knights are when they play at even strength. Uh, the numbers are actually kind of staggering. Read that this morning and thought I'd share it with you. Also, an Aces up today. The NBA All-Star, WNBA All-Star game took place yesterday at Michelob Ultra Arena at the Mandalay Bay Event Center, and uh, we'll talk about that. Um, so get your get get all of your thoughts on that. And, uh, of course, the leading, WNBA-leading uh, Las Vegas Aces. We'll talk about them. Summer League wraps up tomorrow, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that with Spencer. And also the Bones. Uh, Josh Jacobs is probably the biggest question right now of the Las Vegas Raiders. Made him the franchise, gave him the franchise player tag, which he was pretty unhappy about back in May, March or May. But anyway, uh, they got to sign him, man. They got to do something with this guy. They refused to do an extension for him last year. And he, uh, what did he do? He just led the NFL in rushing. We'll talk more about that, though. And we'll get Spencer involved in that conversation as well. And um, also, uh, pretty crazy, but. Um, Right now, if you're watching, uh, I believe it's ESPN, you would see uh, uh, the Joker right now trying to lay claim to be tying the all-time record for Grand Slam tournament wins. If he, if he gets this win, it will be his 24th Grand Slam title. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And the last I saw, he won the first set 6-1, and it was uh, tied at 6-6 in the second set. And that's as of right now. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Also, Steph Curry... 
Man, a huge shot yesterday, and it wasn't with a basketball. <laughs> Man, he's one of the most freakish athletes of all time. He really is. The guy's ridiculous. We'll talk about that again in a little while. LeBron James changing his number. Pretty good reason for that, and uh, love the respect he is showing to one of the greatest NBA legends of all time. Las Vegas Aviators coming off of a big win yesterday, and... Uh, Plenty of time still left to go in this season to get a chance to get down to the Las Vegas ballpark and check them out. We'll talk a little bit about that and, uh, you know, just see what's going on in the sporting world, guys. Good good big week uh, going on. You've got the, you had NBA Summer League. You had the um, WNBA All-Star Game all this past week. And I got to tell you, I didn't go to anything. You know, Chris... I'm burnt out a little bit, and, and, and it's crazy to say burnt out because I love what we get the opportunity to do, all the events we get to attend. But, man, the, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Stanley Cup run this year wore me out. It was a lot. And here we're just a fan, but going to every game, fighting traffic, culminating with that incredible parade at the end, man, I was just done and needed like a month off of going to events. Well, yeah, the, the, the traffic is, is kind of what wears me down. I'm, I'm just sick of it. Um, you know, that's we could do we could do a whole nother show on how awful NDOT is and, and the morons who run that. But yeah, I mean it, it it's for me I, I, I decided, you know what, it, it was a long, long hockey season. I'm gonna enjoy some time off right now. You know, it's like I I I I'm I'm I went to the WNBA All Star game a couple of years ago. I enjoyed it. It was a really cool event. Um but Honestly, you know what? I mean, I, I'm taking some time off. I'm enjoying it. I'm obviously not outside very much enjoying it, but um, you know, I'm, I'm like you. It's I'm I'm thinking hockey season's not that far away. I mean, we're only a few weeks away from UNLV training camp starting. The Raiders are Raiders are, are right around the corner. Yeah, less so than two weeks away from their camp. I mean, we yeah. need a break. And so man. so I'm going to be doing some some stuff out there, going to training camp a couple times and and checking that out. Um, I went. I went to one practice last year, and it was cool. It was it was hot, but it was kind of cool to check out. So, uh, you know, already talked to to our guy Q here, and I'm going to be a little more involved with the Raiders stuff. So I'm enjoying the summer, and and you know, because once September rolls around, it's it's nonstop for 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 guys like us because we will have. UNLV football on Saturday, Raiders on Sunday, Golden Knights on Tuesday and Thursday. That's cool. You know, I and I'm I'm gearing up for that time of year. I'm gearing up for the NFL season again this year. Um, you know, I don't think the Raiders are going to be overly uh, successful this season anyway, but I'm still excited about it. It's the NFL, and yeah, you know, UNLV football, I am looking forward to the new regime right now. I got to tell you that, you know, as much as I did, I'm not going to talk about Marcus Royo. I wasn't a fan. I don't think most members of the media and probably a lot of people at UNLV weren't fans of his. I was a huge fan of the person Tony Sanchez was, uh, and and I was also a big fan of what he did for UNLV. I mean, he was instrumental in getting the Fertitta Center put there, which is one of the best practice facilities in the country, and you got to give him credit for that. I just think, you know, maybe... Uh, I, I don't know. I just think maybe he should have started as an assistant coach somewhere first and worked his way into being a head coach at the collegiate level. He did such a good job at Gorman. Um, but, again, I just thought that job was a little bit over his head as far as the job itself went. But he did a great job behind the scenes. And the one thing that Tony Sanchez understood was working the community and understood yeah. using the using the resources he had in Las Vegas to recruit and get things done. Unfortunately, it didn't translate to win on wins on the field, but it translated to a good 
good feeling at UNLV. And now I think they've got a coach in place, Chris, that I really like this guy. And what I loved about it, we were at that luncheon that he had just down the road uh, about six months months ago or so. And um, what he said, I absolutely loved. He said, look, I'm not coming here and talking about rebuilding. Because the bottom line is, if we don't win within three seasons, I'll lose this job. So it's about winning right now. And that is the reality of all sports when you get to the collegiate level and above. So it was nice to hear a coach acknowledge that and not start start off his campaign by hiding behind and starting to make excuses right off the get-go. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, we, we, we haven't really had too many opportunities to speak with Barry Odom, but um, everything I see and read, I'll be honest, I didn't know a whole lot about him when he was hired. Um, I knew he was an SEC guy, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what kind of connections he's going to have to Vegas, and, and you know, is this going to work? But he's already done a much better job of recruiting locally than his predecessor. I mean, you just look at, at the, 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 the kids who've signed on to play at UNLV. You know, it's funny, you, you brought up Tony Sanchez, and, and I thought Tony Sanchez has the ability to be a really good college football coach. I do too. I just think he should have started as an assistant somewhere. You know, for for a guy like that, I hope he has another opportunity. I know he's a a wide... I think he's coaching at New Mexico State now. Um, I hope he gets another opportunity because I think he would have... He he strikes me as the kind of guy who would have learned a lot and been able to, to take the good and apply that to his next job. But you know what? He's not here anymore. I, I wish him well, but it's all about Barry Odom now. And, and I'm really excited for, for the UNLV football season to start. They, they open against Bryant, who I think is, is in Rhode Island. I know it's a small school. Um, I believe they made the NCAA tournament basketball two years ago for the first time in their history. Um, I think they're in Rhode Island, somewhere in the, in the New England area. Um, I remember when they transitioned Chris, to D1 in the New in England area and you don't know who they are. Well, I'm not that, from New England. I but. don't care. It's still the East Coast. That school, not a small school. It's got to be pretty damn tiny. Yeah, Maybe I, you, microscopic. You know what? You know what's funny? Former UNLV, I believe he was interim coach, Max Good, actually coached the Bryant Bears. at. I think they're the Bears. Coached Bryant <laughs> at, at some – maybe they're the Bulldogs. I don't know. But he coached Bryant basketball at, at, at one point. So uh, a little UNLV connection to to Bryant. Well, I just, I, I just hope the guys are big enough to play against UNLV. Chris. Now I got to look them up. <laughs> yeah. Find out more about him. You know, just like you, Chris, I didn't know a great deal about Barry Odom before he got hired. And then when I hear his background and I hear the school, Missouri, I got to I gotta tell you, I start to sweat a little bit only because I know Desiree. They are. They are. Uh, in Rhode Island, okay. Well, uh, total enrollment thirty seven hundred. There you go. So tiny, uh, yeah, small, tiny. very very small school, and they are the. I'm looking. Come on, tell me what they are. They're not bulldogs, bears, buffoons. They are the bulldogs. Yes. There you go. Okay. And good. they play in the America East Conference, right. and their mascot is called Tupper the Bulldog. Okay, we'll talk a lot more about that down the road. Yeah. I was just saying with Barry Odom, Henry though, Bryant, the, the founder. The one thing that I, the one thing that scared me about Barry Odom was the fact that uh, when I saw Missouri, whenever I think of Missouri now, I think of Desiree Reed Francois, and I get scared of anything that that comes out of that school. But I really like this guy. I think it's a great transition, and I think that you know the one thing, if nothing else, uh, what defines Barry Odom to this point to me is no nonsense. And man, we we are so desperate for no nonsense here because Marcus Arroyo was all about nonsense and non-talking and non-appearances and the word non should have been his first name but well, that's a whole other story. Spence, go ahead. I want to get into the Golden Knights. There's not a great deal to talk about but I think something pretty important. 
Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. You know, I want to tell you, Chris, uh, Ken Balky, we see him at all the games. The guy has a tremendous hockey knowledge. He is a self-admitted nerd in the uh, in the article he wrote, so I can say that. But, but no, a good guy, and the main thing about him is he definitely understands the sport of hockey and is very knowledgeable. And he posted, he, he wrote an article yesterday that I, I read and thought was really good about the power of the Vegas Golden Knights at even strength. One of the best teams in history, statistically, this past season, rivaling teams of the 80s, those great dynasties, the Canadians of the 70s, and the New York Islanders and Edmonton Oilers of the 80s, this this is a team that really was, was powerful from start to finish, and as good as the Boston Bruins were, look at the full strength, the, the full strength, um, I should say even strength with the Golden Knights in the postseason was better than the Boston Bruins in the regular season at even strength. This team just became a juggernaut when they got to the postseason. Didn't matter who they put in net. Didn't matter the line shifts. Everything just seemed to work. And the quality scoring chances, this team is almost second to none in those as well. And then stopping other teams on quality scoring chances. The numbers, Chris, are staggering. I knew they were good, but they're actually mind-blowing. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where unless you watch this team every single night the way we did, it's probably something that slid under the radar, right? Like, you can look at the numbers and you can you can say, oh, these guys are really good at that. But unless you, you see them and the way that they play, they're, it, it, it's so – it's one of the things that, that I think I noticed. And, and what, what people what, – what, how it correlates is – they were so good at five on five and they took so few penalties and gave teams so few opportunities to score on the power play, which was, which was kind of their weakness. You know, not every team, every single team has a weakness. And for the golden Knights, it was, it was probably their penalty kill for, for a good portion of the season. But as soon as Mark Stone came back, that, that all changed. But, um, you know, when you're so good at five on five, the way these guys are, and you don't give teams opportunities to have that man advantage. And you're so good defensively on the blue line, the way the Golden Knights are. It really spells a, a very, very difficult team to beat. And when you crunch those numbers, you look at the analytics. And I'm not a big analytics guy, but obviously that's that's the way of the future. in, in not just hockey, but every sport. So I better get on board with it. But Thanks to Billy Bean. Yeah, yeah. Who... who <laughs> If you, if we're going to be honest, has never won anything. The guy, the guy's been an abject failure. But yes, but he also overachieved with the with the budget he was given they, in Oakland. They, he they, overachieved. Did they even what did they win one playoff series? Come on. Yeah, I but, understand, but, but but they weren't expected to make the playoffs. I don't ever. care. You, you're not expected. <laughs> Who cares? You, I want to win. I don't. Well, back back to your point. I just what? wanted to say this before you 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 elaborate more on that. Is just to, to the numbers when you talk about analytics. The Vegas Golden Knights outscore their opponents in the playoffs at even strength. 71 to 38. Yeah. That means 6 
65% of the goals at even strength in Vegas Golden Knights games were by the Vegas Golden Knights. The Boston Bruins, as I mentioned, who went 65-12-5 in route to the best regular season in the history of the National Hockey League, managed to boast 64% of even strength goals, 1% less than the Vegas Golden Knights did in the playoffs. The Vegas Golden Knights Golden Knights scored 66 goals in 5-on-5 in the playoffs. That's the most by any team since the NHL began recording goals by strength in 2010. The next closest to the to the Golden Knights 66 is the Los Angeles Kings with 60, and they needed 26 games to do so. The Vegas Golden Knights did it in 22. It's 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 mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's incredible when you realize just how good this team is and was this past season. Can they repeat it? Will teams find ways to beat them? Maybe. But, I mean, the, the, the reality is it's not a shock that this team raised the Stanley Cup when you look at just how dominant they were in specific areas and certain points of the season. This team really turned it up a notch in the playoffs. I mean, it's no it, when, when you watch them in the regular season, you're like, yeah, you know what? These guys are pretty good. When you watch them in the playoffs, it was like somehow, and, and the somehow falls on the players and the coaching staff, they elevated their game every single series. And, Brian, I mean, I understand they lost some some pieces. Riley Smith is going to be a very, very large piece and, and, and could prove to be difficult to replace in a lot of areas, and he was certainly a big part of the dominance at five on five with his defensive acumen and his hockey IQ, but this team isn't going to fall off a whole lot because I believe that the combination of Paul Cotter and Pavel Dorfeyev, whoever slides into that that role, the Golden Knights are, are are putting a young guy in, but they're putting him in a position to succeed based on who's around him and just how good this team and the coaching staff are. Yeah, no, no, no question, Chris. Uh, I, um, I'm loving what I'm seeing. I think that you know, if you don't think the Vegas Golden Knights are, uh, to me, one of the favorite teams again to repeat because it's right now or never. This window is wide open, but yet it's about to be sealed shut because you can only play for so long. Not many changes were made, and that's what's amazing is not many changes needed to be made. What needs to happen is simply for them to stay relatively healthy like they did this past season and for the goaltending to be as rock solid as it was last season as well. I mean, you know, Logan Thompson, Aiden Hill, if the, the two of them can play like they did last season, the way Thompson started the season, the way Hill played in the postseason, this team is going to be as tough of an out as there is this next season coming up in uh, you know, you know, in the National Hockey League. I mean, could they be repeat winners? Yeah, I mean, it was the most dominating performance in the postseason. It reminded me again, like I said, of, of the juggernaut teams of the 70s, the mid to late 70s, and the, throughout the, about the mid 80s, uh, you know, with those three teams that just dominated the, the Montreal Canadiens, the New York Islanders, and the Edmonton Oilers for about 15 years, dominated the National Hockey League. And I don't think the Golden Knights are in that quite a that type of position, but I think this past year 
they sh- they were that type of a team that was just dominating, and that could continue. Chris, you know, talking about you know the Vegas Golden Knights and and what uh, what they just did recently, you know, with the NHL draft was they get David Edstrom, a guy that uh, I I didn't know a great deal about. I've obviously read about him since then. They're pretty excited. The kid's 18 years old. He was the first selection this past year, the 32nd pick overall. Um, they say he's a really good two way player. Um, you know, you know, played played in Sweden last year. Helped his team with a lot of points. Uh, Chris, big kid, center, two-way player, um, and they signed him to a three-year the, the entry-level rookie contract. That's pretty good. Yeah, so he'll probably be playing in Henderson this year. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty good for a kid of that age and and who's never played in North America. But um, look, I mean, he he kind of fits the mold of of what they look Dude, for. Chris, Eighteen and already six three and one ninety. Yeah, I, I mean the kid's still growing. Yeah, I mean he he fits the mold. Maybe, maybe a Nick Waugh type of player um, at at six three and uh, two way player, really good two way guy. So um, look, I mean he's going to have an opportunity. This is a team that over the next couple of years will probably end up developing because they're going to have to. They're going to have to develop some some good young talent, and they've done a, a, a pretty good job of that with Nick Hague and and Shea Theodore, who of course was bouncing between San Diego and Anaheim when he was the previous season prior to him coming to the Golden Knights. But um, look, I mean, the 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 hockey draft is such a crapshoot. You know, he he's a guy who who fell a little bit, and it seemed like the Golden Knights. As soon as he was there, they 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 knew that him. they knew that that was the guy they wanted. I'm sure they were excited that he fell because the scouts put in so much work, especially the European scouts, um, putting in a ton of time at games, at rinks, watching guys who probably will never ever ever translate or play in the NHL or even the AHL. But it's about finding that guy who stands out. And and look, I mean, this team is 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 certainly got a pretty good track record with with two way players like that. So. Um, it with Ryan Craig now in Henderson, he's the guy who knows the philosophy of the team. Yep. He knows the, what what they expect and what they want. So it'll be a good opportunity for for David Edstrom to develop. Yeah, Chris. Uh, on another note, also I uh, wanted to get this in. A couple of Golden Knights coaches hired assistant coaches. Joel Ward, an assistant coach in Henderson, did a good job there. They really like the upside of this guy. They say that eventually he could be a head coach in the National Hockey League. They bring him up to the Briggs squad, and then you know I'm bad with names sometimes. Is it Dominique Ducharme? Dominique Ducharme, yeah. Ducharme, okay, Ducharme. But, yeah, they bring him over. He was actually the coach of the Montreal Canadiens yes. when they beat the Vegas Golden Knights and <laughs> went to the Stanley Cup Finals, The first, their first appearance there since the mid-'80s. So huge for them uh, and huge for the Vegas Golden Knights. This is a guy that can come in. He's also experienced, has the experience of coaching in a Stanley Cup Final. That's just more experience on the bench for Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, I mean, look, and, and, and Cassidy, of course, coaching in Boston against – the Canadians. I'm not sure how much he he knew or knows about Ducharme, but you know the hockey community in general seems to be a, a pretty tight knit community, and and you know everyone seems to know everyone. So, look, I mean, Bruce Cassidy has proven in one year that he he knows what he's doing, and bring it up. And look, I, I think a lot of people are going to be excited about Joel Ward. A lot of stuff I read on Twitter and stuff that a lot of people really really like what he brings as as a, an assistant and. You know when I when I would sit sometimes and run the Silver Night games, Joe Ward was a guy who filled in when Manny Viveros was was out with cancer treatment. Yep. So Joe Ward would would split the coaching duties with some of the other assistants, 
and there were there were times where he was a head coach and every time I've listened to him I'm impressed like like I really like listening to him speak he's he's a guy who seems like he's very well well grounded seems like a very nice guy um and and a guy who really understands the game well and look I mean I think that's cool it's 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 it'll be a good experience for him and and you know hopefully it translates to him being a coach somewhere else I think the way I look at it is when you're a head coach the greatest compliment is when people hire your assistants so um you know hopefully it translates to 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 a situation like that where Joel Ward is is in a couple of years poached by a team and he's coaching in the NHL now Chris I'll tell you what you know you get poached when you get to coach when you get to coach under a, a good coach yeah and Bruce Cassidy right now probably one of the most respected coaches in the National Hockey League so that's like get, getting to, uh, not quite maybe getting to coach under Bill Belichick but it's still getting to coach under somebody right now that everyone's looking at and says wow look at this guy's defensive philosophy it just took the Golden Knights to the Stanley Cup championship you gotta love it if you're a guy like Joel Ward saying man this is is going to lead to a future career for me. Yeah, I mean, and look, for, for Bruce Cassidy, he's the only coach in the NHL right now, the only head coach in the NHL right now who could say, hey, you know what, I'm a, I'm a Stanley Cup champ. The Stanley Cup champ, yeah. the reigning Stanley Cup champ. Yep. Real quick, uh, Spencer, I want to bring you in. NBA Summer League, Mags and I didn't go. I know you didn't go. You love going every year. I've gone every year since it's been since its inception. First year I took the the, the season off, I just had to. But um, maybe not the greatest season to take off and not go when you've got a guy like uh, Victor Wembanyama coming in. And, uh, you know, th- th- incredible. The NBA Summer League has gotten so popular. Selling out here in Vegas, it's got to make uh, – it's got Got to make um, you know, Kevin Kruger bite his nails a little bit when he sees a packed Thomas and Mack Center, and he knows how different that building is going to look in a couple of months when the running Rebels get in there and start playing. But overall, incredible success for the NBA Summer League. Victor Wembanyama struggled in the first game, but in the second game showed what he could do, and then the San Antonio Spurs did what everyone thought they would do and shut him down. What was your take out of the little bit that we got to see this year of the NBA Summer League? Anybody, Spencer, that stood out to you or anybody that maybe disappointed you? Yeah, uh, so the Summer League has been great so far. I haven't caught all the games, but I don't I don't know if you remember this, and I don't even know if it's still going on, but I just remember when I was a kid, it was so relevant. The Drew League, uh, for some reason, uh, the NBA Summer League reminds me of the Drew League now, where it's kind of like a place where guys go to show off a little bit, and you get to see a lot of that. And I think, obviously, a lot of these guys are fighting for a job, and that's what makes the NBA Summer League so compelling. Uh, for the most part, because like, you can see it and you can just see how hard they're playing. It's a lot like college basketball, like almost even more serious because the difference between you playing well and playing bad is like you going overseas versus having like a bench on a G League uh, bench, which obviously is a big difference. But I'll go a little bit low key for you here. I don't really have anything in terms of disappointing because to me, there's no such thing as a disappointing summer league performance. It really is just kind of an exhibition game. These guys haven't really played together and maybe like when they were young, like in like the circuits, but uh case and Wallace, uh, number 10 pick for the thunder, uh, not really like an offensive thing uh, that would jump out on the page. And very, it seems very on brand for the thunder, how they kind of just get these specialty guys. Luan Dort is kind of like that. Although to his credit, he's developed a little bit of a three point shot, but a, a guy who is just like a go-getter, like he's good in, going for steals, had a lot of highlight plays, just like an all-around hustle player that you don't see very often anymore. 
Uh, and I think that he'll fit pretty well in OKC. They have a very interesting core. They have literally one like the most interesting team in the NBA this year for me. And I, like that was like discounting who they picked this year. And the kids done pretty well too. Yeah, I, I think I think you could see OKC be a be a much improved team this year. I really do. I think they're going to be an interesting basketball team as well. And I was going to say, you know, Spencer, the NBA summer league. What's cool about it is every now and again it is a chance for guys to all showcase themselves. And once in a while, you get guys that come out of the NBA summer league that. Kind carve out an NBA career. And I'll tell you a guy that I watched play in the NBA Summer League back in 2016. Chris, I don't know if you remember him, but what about Alex Caruso? He had an unbelievable Summer League debut for the the Lakers. Ended up playing throughout the Summer League for them. Next thing you know, he ends up on the team, on the roster. And this guy has carved out an NBA career. And really, he went undrafted. A a decent college player. Uh, But, you know, I mean, you know, he played at Texas A&M. No one thought Alex Caruso was going to be an NBA player. And the Summer League, to me, watching him that Summer League, I kept saying, who the hell is Alex Caruso? Like, my God, this guy's playing really well. His d- distribution was well. His scoring was good. And again, he caught the eye at that time, I believe it was of Luke Walton, that said, you know what? we got to put this guy on the team. And next thing you know, here he is, an NBA player. Well, that's the thing about the Summer League. There, there, there's guys like that, but for some of these players, they're auditioning for jobs overseas as well. Yep. Um, you know, look, I, I, I know everybody wants to play in the NBA, but there's guys who, who can carve out a pretty good career playing overseas, especially in some of those leagues in Turkey and Spain and Italy. Um, so while a lot of these guys will probably not play in the NBA, it's it's kind of like minor league baseball in, in some regards. Get a chance to make some money doing but, something you love. Maybe well, that's not it. here, but it's, somewhere. It's, it's an opportunity to impress NBA coaches. It's an opportunity to impress NBA executives. And I know because I've heard it all week that there are people from some of these big European clubs that come here and it's just like one big basketball convention for two weeks. And and not only that, it's a who's who. I mean, the cool thing for Vegas fans to get out to summer league games, I mean, they have done such a good job putting this together over the last couple years, the two guys that have done it, and I've had them both on my show at at different times, but they have done a great job, but what's really cool, again, is the who's who. You go there, you never know who you're going to bump into. Make sure you've got your camera and storage space for pictures, because you're going to see guys, we're seeing our friends, pictures with Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving, you know, all these, because a lot of NBA players and executives and former players come, but also you see a ton of celebrities. And this week, especially with the WNBA All-Star Game being here as well, it has been a who's who of celebrities. If you've got a chance to go to these games, you get to you get the star watch. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of the cool thing. Um, I could remember seeing Danny Ainge a couple times, and, and, and I mean, that's just the one guy who jumps off the top in, of my I head. I walked and, in with Mike Brown when he took over for Steve Kerr and won an NBA championship when Kerr was out yeah. with his back problems, and I'm walking in the tunnel, and there's Mike Brown, and we walk in together talking, and you know, I'm asking him, like, wow, how cool is it? You know, it's like, yeah, you know, being in the right place at the right well, time. Well, I but mean, what look, a cool opportunity I mean, look, that the, is. The, the, the current WNBA champion coach, Becky Hammond, she had an opportunity to coach the Spurs Summer League team and ended up winning a title. So um, the, the the Summer League is cool. It's it's a lot of fun. It, it kind of reminds me of the Maui Invitational when the games are at, at Cox Pavilion. It's a bit like the Maui Invitational, except it's on an NBA scale because you've got 5,000 people packed in that gym and... You know, you, you, you never know who you're going to see. I mean, I can remember the, the, the crazy thing is the way this thing has grown 
and Albert Hall has done such a great job. Great job. With with it. But the way it's grown, I mean, I can remember going in its infancy when there were only like 12 or 14 teams and, and eventually it's grown into what it is now. There was a time where there was, a, there was like a Chinese um, all-star team that played in it. I think it was an ABA all-star team that, that played in it. What I would like to see is since since these international executives are coming, how cool would it be to get to see some of these European teams coming over and and playing in in a bit of a of a preseason tournament for them? I mean, to see a team like like Barcelona, who who has produced some really good NBA players, and and some of these other great teams in in, in Italy and and Germany. I mean, a lot of these great European players, they got their start playing for clubs like Real Madrid and Barcelona and and, and Milan, and you know, it, it's just it's a cool thing, and I think. If that happened, I think you 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 at some point may have to move to T-Mobile because you'd probably have fans coming over. Can you imagine that you have it at T-Mobile, Cox Pavilion, and the the Thomas and Mac. And I'm not sure they'd ever want to move to T-Mobile because I think they love the idea of fans being able to buy one ticket and just walk from one arena to the next. I mean, the other the other aspect that you haven't really talked about is for fans the opportunity to get autographs. No, that well, that's what I'm saying, and not not autographs from all the players and all of the celebrities that are there. Yeah, I mean, everyone's it, it's walking cool. around. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg's walking around. You know, you got all these residents that are now Vegas. They're celebrities, man. We have so many celebrities that live in Vegas. They come out to events like this. It's their social gatherings, and they love it. And you talked about the Maui Classic, Chris. I remember we went. The difference between even though it's the NBA level, they don't give us Maui Jim sunglasses. At Summer League, yeah, that yeah. I will never forget. One of the coolest things I think we've ever tended. I, I get a, I get prescription sunglasses and a pair of prescription glasses. Totally, when I looked it up, almost a thousand dollars because of the sunglasses. Yeah. That's about what I would have paid for my customized. And we got, they just handed it to him. Say, hey, here, you want them? Yeah. Oh, you got, you guys show up at the party. You get, you get yeah. two, two free Summer, Summer League. I'm sorry, you got nothing on the Maui Classic yeah. because of the Maui gyms and that party. On top of the way they fed us, my God, I felt like a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. I felt like a celebrity myself. Yeah, and, and and you know our, our our friend Mike Dixon was out there. He he's he's that guy, man. You don't want to talk about a guy who's ever, all over town. Mike Dixon is well, like, another one. He's like Alan Snell. Yeah, Mike Dixon. Hard, Mike Dixon, hardest working man I've ever yeah, met in my is. life. Like he, I, he, I give it to Snell too, though. Yeah, Snell never misses. He's got his nose Snell, in everything. Snell, I mean, he, he he's there. Snell pedals to every event, Chris. That yeah, is, that's that's the incredible. You, you got to give Alan, Alan yeah. all the credit in the world. Like I said, he is where's Waldo, and the way you find Alan is you look for a bike parked outside the arena, yep. and you know Alan's. There. Well, you know, just a huge bike safety advocate. Is, the books. He's just a great guy. Next time town. you're at T-Mobile Arena, walk over to the parking garage at New York, New York, and look at the bike rack. It's it's because of Alan Snell. Yeah, no no question about no, it. No no bigger friend to bicyclists in Las Vegas than Alan Snell. And one maybe maybe not just one of the top guys in the country well, the, for being I, a bike I know advocate. he, he right did a lot of books. work in in Florida. And, suffered, and, suffered a nearly an, an, an accident that nearly killed him, which is what brought him back to Florida after he retired from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Alan's a friend of the show, been on the show, and like I said, does a great job out there with LVSports.com. Um, real, real quick, I wanted to get into the Raiders. Spence, bring you back in because the big news right now that everyone's waiting for is: Is Josh Jacobs 
going to be in camp. Um, What's going to happen with the guy? The Raiders need to make a move by tomorrow at 3 p.m., or he might, again, not be recording on my birthday, the 25th of this month. Um, They they slapped the franchise tag on him at the end because, you know, to, to, to protect him. So he either has to play for the Raiders this year or he can't play. They could have gotten away with giving him about $8 million last year per season had they signed him before the season. They opted not to, and Josh Jacobs makes the most of his opportunity, leads the NFL in rushing almost 1,700 yards last year, and really put himself into a ter- terrific position. And with running back Spencer, the NFL standing for not for long couldn't come into play more than it does for running backs. It's such a short-lived position. So for Josh Jacobs, now is his time to capitalize. I don't know that the Raiders make this deal. I, I mean, they, they're going to have to pay him about $10 million for this one year. And again, he could opt to not even play and say, you know what, I'm going to save my body and get a huge contract for a couple of years next year. What do you think is going to happen? Well, there's another running back who tried to do that back in the day named Le'Veon Bell, who was literally on top of the world Oh yeah, to the point where he was convinced he was the best running back in the league and he wouldn't play under the number that they gave him or the franchise tag. I'm not saying that's the same situation, especially because Josh Jacobs is just like so much more of a sound mind than Le'Veon Bell ever was in his career. He's just like a much more normal dude. But to be honest with you, the onus isn't on the Raiders. It's on Josh Jacobs. I know he wants a deal, and I, and I can't say anything bad against him, of course. If I was in a situation, I would also want to get paid after having like the best season that a running back had last year. But the reality is I think he's just losing uh, – or he's just in a losing battle. If you look around the league, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey did get paid, but he's a little bit of a hybrid player, almost like a receiver running back kind of duo, and that's a little bit of an easier decision. Obviously, um, you know, the Cowboys got rid of Zeke. Like, all these guys from these running back classes uh, that have had really amazing seasons, they, they just fall apart. Like, what happens if Josh Jacobs gets hurt midway through the season, you know? He played through so many injuries last year. I just don't know if you can go through a full season like that again. And you can see Josh McDaniels will just hand you the ball a thousand times. He doesn't really like to do the running back by committee thing. So he's either going to play him on the franchise tag or he's going to sit out and Zamir White's going to be the starting running back. I think either way, the Raiders are happy with the outcome because the worse they are, the better the draft pick they get next year. And that's yeah. just... I think that's how they view it. Well, they probably do, but that's a very quiet viewing, Spencer. No one's going to admit to that or say it out loud. Because <laughs> you know, if we tank the season, we get we don't have Josh Jacobs. Uh, that'll 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 bode well for us. But players who miss training camp can be fined up to fifty thousand dollars per day. But the Raiders can't find Jacobs because while Las Vegas is holding the franchise tag over his head, he has not signed the tender, meaning he is not under contract with the team. Las Vegas again, as I said. Had had the opportunity to lock him up for the 2023 season, last offseason, but the Raiders declined to pick up their option for a fifth season on his rookie contract, which would have committed Las Vegas to paying Jacobs a little bit over $8 million for 2023. Jacobs um, responded again last year, 1,653 yards, uh, 12 of his 340 carries ended in the end zone, and he also caught 53 passes for 400 yards last year. Um, um, 
The bottom line is, I think they need to find a way to re-sign him. The tag obligates Las Vegas to pay Jacobs just a little bit over $10 million um, for 2023. The tag also gives the Raiders until 3 p.m. tomorrow to work out a multi-year contract with Jacobs again. Um, I don't know what he is going to do. I don't know what the Raiders are going to throw at him. I've got to believe they want to get this guy signed. Um, there are only eight players in the in NFL history who have as many rushing attempts and receptions in their first four seasons as Jacobs had this past season that's, with that's the Raiders. That's why I don't sign him to a long-term deal. Because of deal. the abuse that body's yeah, taken. Yeah, look, I mean, here, here's, here's the sad reality of the situation. First of all, I, I want every player to get paid. I will never side with the owners. I don't care about the owners. I care about the players. I want the owner, the, the players to make their money. But the sad reality is the running back position. Brian, I looked it up the other day. The top running backs of the last decade, you look at how many games they've played, and if a player gets to 100 games, it's a rare exception. Yeah. So and Josh they're, Jacobs they're destroyed is destroyed when they get yeah, to the 100 games. Like he's already at the point where you figure he may, may have maybe two productive seasons left. Yeah. I don't sign him if I'm the Raiders. I franchise him and dare him not to show up, and yeah. if he shows up, Here's the thing. He gets ten million bucks. If he shows up, I franchise him again next year. Yeah. And then I th- I see what I've got in the cupboard. I am not signing a running back. If I'm a general manager in the NFL, I will not sign a running back to a second long term deal. This played four years in the league. I'll, I'll give him his rookie yeah. deal. And after that, look, the, the Eagles. And the Chiefs have both proven you don't need a star workhorse running back. What about the Niners? Yeah, yeah. Well, they've, they've got Christian McCaffrey no, but, now. But, but before that, they were by committee, yeah. and they went to the Super yeah. Bowl with I a mean, committee of running look, backs. Look at, look, at, look at some of the running backs. Like, Todd Gurley was on top of the world. He was the best running back in the league, and he fell off a cliff. It's like two years. Chris Johnson, remember him? Yeah, Derrick Henry, another yard, guy. 2,000-yard runner in Chris Johnson. Dalvin Cook is yeah. a free agent. I was just going to say, look at the free agents right now, if you want to look at the guys out there um, that, that are free agents this year that are looking, you know, that that, that uh, you know need contracts for 2023. Dalvin Cook, who you just mentioned, Chris. Ezekiel Elliott. Kareem Hunt. And the New York Giants and Saquon Barkley are in the exact same situation as the Raiders are with yeah, Jacobs and, right and now. He suffered a devastating knee yeah. injury a couple of years ago. Yep. I I'm look, it, it sounds bad, but I'm not giving all that guaranteed money to a player who I have no guarantee is going to be on my roster in three years. Yeah. I, it's it sucks. It sucks for Josh Jacobs. And the running back position, like you said, of all the positions, the running back position, you know, the it, it, it just it, well, it, 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 it it's sucks the biggest revolving you, door because yeah. it just it is so hard to stay healthy through now a 17 game regular season yeah. at that position. You, you the the days of seeing guys like Curtis Martin who rush for a thousand yards in ten consecutive seasons to start their career. Those are done. Yeah, that's, you're not going to see that anymore. Very, very, very rare that you see something like that. And uh, but you know, I, I mean, do Barry think, Sanders, I Emmett Smith, think, those guys. Right now, they're they're they're. I mean, it sounds no. like they're ancient history. 
But the days of guys like that dominating very, the league, very, very rare. Yeah, and, the, and, the game has evolved. Yeah, it, without question. And and you know, but but again, I will say this in closing on this subject: I do believe that the Raiders do need to, to sign Josh Jacobs for another season. For more than anything else, he brings people to the building. He is a fan favorite and arguably a top three running back in the National Football League right now. Spencer, Jimmy Garoppolo, surgery last March on that foot. Uh, I haven't heard anything in a while. Matter of fact, the last time anyone's even said anything was the very beginning of June when they were questioning whether he would be ready for training camp or not. I mean, this is gigantic. Behind Jimmy Garoppolo, you have Brian Hoyer. He's Brian Hoyer. 93 years old with four seats to his grandchildren in the front row. I mean, you got to have Jimmy G for this team to even have a mediocre season. Is he going to be ready for training camp? And more importantly, is he going to be ready for the start of the season? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that that's just something they're keeping really close to the vest. But I read something last week uh, that all expectations say that he is going to be ready uh, by you know training camp, and that seems to be the thing. I, I don't, I just don't think that they would have signed him and made such a big deal about it if they were so unsure about it. I know they restructured his contract; it's almost like a completely non-guaranteed deal. But I, I think that's all just uh, you know precautions. Like Dave is uh, super precautious when it comes to contract; he's one of the best negotiators in the league. So I think that's what that was really all about. I, I would be shocked if he doesn't. Um, he's not going to play the preseason. I think. It hasn't been said yet, but I think it's pretty obvious. But I would be shocked if he's not playing in training camp, getting ready for the season. Nope, I, I can't I can't argue with Spence. I think uh, I think that uh, Jimmy, that, you know, they are keeping it close to the vest, but I think Jimmy's ready. Real quickly with the WNBA and the All-Star game, um, you know, I said last week, I don't like the drafting of players. You made good sense, Spencer, when you talked about why they have that format, because you don't have that many teams, but you see them become homers when it comes to the draft. Brianna Stewart, uh, the te- her team just dominated Asia Wilson's team, and I said when she drafted Chelsea Gray with the first pick, she is not the number one player but behind Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson in the National Basketball Association and it showed Jewel Lloyd again leads the NBA WNBA she's the scoring leader she breaks the all-time all-star game scoring record with 31 points gets the all-star game MVP and she could have been on team Wilson but she wasn't because team Wilson and again you know Brittany Griner was drafted first by Brianna Stewart Asia had a chance to draft her Asia was a homer and that cost them. That's why I just don't like that format. You shouldn't be able to draft who you want to draft. You put together an all-star team and you pick two sides, and I just like that way better. What I did like about the all-star game, Spencer, and I'll let you talk about all of it, I love the new mic'd up things. We're starting to see it in all sports. I'm sure it's a distraction to the players, but you know what? The hell with it. They make so damn much money. They have so much damn fame. I don't believe they need any more privacy. I know it does take a little bit of weight to the game. I can't imagine somebody in my ear when I'm played in the outfield, the baseball game. Like, dude, shut the hell up. I got to concentrate here. But in the same respect, I thought it was pretty cool listening to Brittany Griner, listening to Asia Wilson, listening to Brianna Stewart, mic'd up during the game. I think this is the wave of the future. We're going to start seeing this in all regular season games in every sport. I don't know if you do it in NHL and, uh, you know, I don't know if you can do it in the NHL and the NFL simply because of how violent those sports are. You don't want to distract somebody and have them get killed in the middle of game. But I do think it was pretty cool. That was, to me, the highlight, the part that was it was, it was a blowout because you let the players pick their teams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. It's an interesting aspect to it. But 
I don't know. You got to be careful about it too. Like not because like cussing or anything, but because some of these people aren't used to being in front of a microphone and I think it can be really boring. And I think when you do a player highlight, like you're really highlighting them and you're just like, okay, the camera, the microphones are all on you. What do you have to say? So we'll see like what players end up doing with it. I'm sure there'll probably be some funny hot mics here and there. Um, but obviously there's been so many issues with that, just like throughout history. And these guys aren't really trained on how to do it. We'll see like during an all-star game, obviously it's so different just because it's a completely different environment. I'm just thinking more like MLB. Like I've heard a couple of them and some of them are like really boring and they like don't really know what to say. It's, it's kind of a funny dynamic. No, it is. And, 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 and like I said, that's, what's kind of cool about it. It was funny. Like Brittany Griner's in the middle of talking and all of a sudden she goes, well, I got a garter. And she, I, it, it was really, that was funny. Same thing with Asia Wilson. Somebody bangs a three pointer and she goes nuts. And that kind of thing is pretty cool because we get to see the actual passion that it's not staged passion. It's passion that they have during these games, intensity, trash talk, all of that. And we get a little taste of that at the fans when they're mic'd up. So I think it's a really cool future aspect. Uh, something that is coming into play more and more, and I think it's great that it is, and I think it's good for the game. And again, do I think it distracts the players? Yeah, a little bit, but again, with the money they're making, we deserve all the entertainment value we get because we're paying for that entertainment value. The price of tickets, the price it is to get players to play for your team, the hell with it, man. Put the mics on them and make them deal with it. I love it. Uh, Spencer, go ahead and do me a favor and hit fact this. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. It's a fact that right now, as we speak, Novak Djokovic is going for his fifth consecutive Wimbledon championship. It would be his eighth overall and his 24th Grand Slam title, tying him with Margaret Court for the most all-time by men or women. This, in my opinion, would solidify him as the tennis goat. Right now, in the Wimbledon final, he won the first set 6-1. Alcarez, who, by the way, is not even 21 years old yet, the last guy to to have this kind of success and win a Grand Slam title before his 21st birthday. The last guy to do it was Rafael Nadal. But uh, again, 6-1, he won the first set. Alcarez came back and won the second set 7-1, and Alcarez is actually ahead 3-1 in the third set right now, uh, and they're they're deuce playing in the the fifth game in that set. But um, uh, Alcarez, no joke, he's actually seated number one, and the Joker was seated number two. Uh, This is a hell of a matchup, and this kid Alcarez, man, Looks like he could be the next superstar coming up in tennis. You know, obviously the kid's able to play on grass and able to play on any surface. He's already won a Grand Slam title before his 21st birthday. Very impressive. But I think regardless of the fact, 16-year difference between these two guys, Chris, and the Joker at 36 years old with what he has accomplished, going for his 24th Grand Slam, i got to say win, lose, or draw. It's so hard to say this because there have been so many greats, but I think you got to say he's the greatest of all time well you know brian here's a crazy thing like you you look at the the history of the last 20 i'm going to say the last 23 years in men's tennis basically since andre agassi and pete sampras retired you look at the amount of grand slams won between Djokovic, rafael nadal and roger federer and we're talking about 70 between the three of them unbelievable these are, without question, the three greatest. I mean, tennis is a sport that goes back to the 1800s. Yeah. You've had some great rivalries, yes, too. Yes, yes. I mean, 
Lendl, Borg. I mean, oh, McEnroe, Jimmy Connors, Jimmy Connors great. you know, uh, you, you, but but Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras, uh, Stefan Edberg. Yeah. But but Brian, for these three guys to all exist at the same time, mm-hmm. it, it it would be like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James all existing in the same yeah. era of. The NBA. So good. If, so if the good. three, if, if, if there was only two of them that existed at the same time, how many would Nadal have? Or how many would Federer have? I mean, Andy Murray was a damn good men's tennis player. Yeah. Andy Murray was not anywhere on the level of these guys. Well, Michael Chang was a hell of a tennis player. But, 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 for, but for these three, and, and no. I think that Djokovic will end up at some point Getting his twenty fourth, if, if not, not today, today yeah. at some point in the future, getting his twenty fourth. He's won Wimbledon four times in a row. Yeah, I mean that is unbelievable. It's, it's four incredible. Times in I mean, a row. it's a sport. The field that they have to go through, Chris. The endurance that you have to have as a tennis player. The wear and tear on your ankles and your knees. Yes, is and your wrists and, and your elbows. Everything, and then the your mental back, aspect. Your back, and, and, and right, and mentally to be able to stay mentally in the game for match I, after match after. It's unbelievable. If you want to know what it's really like, I urge you go to the library, go on Amazon, whatever, buy Andre Agassi's book and read it. It's it's so. Even, I haven't read it, but I've heard. E- even yeah. though I, I I love Agassi and and I love that he's a local guy and he's he's just a normal guy. The 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 pressure that he put on himself and the mental drain that it had on him, how it affected his relationships with with. Well, you I know, think Brooke Shields screwed him over but, big but, time. But like, but I, I know mean, what you're saying the the thing is like. Djokovic is, is 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 it seems like he he he's a bit out of it. Um, Alcaraz seems to be really the better player so far. He lost the first set six one, but he's been the better player since. But I just can't get over it. Like and and for me, the the most disappointing aspect is the fact that there's no American men who I know I know we we had a uh, Chris Eubanks who who played r- really well, um, but. Not at the level no. that that we had seen. I mean, the last time you saw that kind of level, I'm not going to say Andy Roddick. It was really Pete Sampras and I. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jim Courier, you know, guys decent. like that. They were but, decent, but they were but, never yeah. elite. And Andy Roddick, I think, has two majors. And Andy no. Roddick, Sampras, to me, was the last elite American. Yes, we player. we have not had anyone since Pete Sampras even remotely close to that elite level. That, that elite level where where he's a shoe in to be in the semifinals every single major. I 100% agree. Spence, I need you to play something right now if you've got it. Play the video. Steph Curry, if you didn't see it yesterday, a hole in one um which was absolutely ridiculous at the American Century Championship golf tournament up in Reno. He's leading it 50 points through three rounds. He's leading the golf tournament. He is truly one of the most freakishly talented athletes we've ever seen. Uh, Bo Jackson was was in that caliber, you know, more of a strength type of guy with baseball and football. But I am telling you right now, Steph Curry, if he practiced hard enough, probably could p- compete in some PGA events. He's that good of a golfer. Uh, yesterday gets a hole-in-one on the seventh hole up in Reno. Spencer, go ahead and play that if we got it. It's obvious he can really play. Boy, this is right at it if it gets there. How about that? Oh, 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 are you kidding me? Oh, are you kidding me? 
Yeah, yeah, it, it was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, what's just crazy is, you know, Chris, I say this all the time, and we're, we're just about out of time, but I, do, I wanted to just say, you know, it is amazing how many players, literally, that are retired athletes, some of them still current athletes, that go around and play in all these celebrity golf matches. They take it very seriously. Guys like Rick Roden, you've seen guys that, that are just really good. Even celebrities, you know, a guy like, uh, played Frisco Jones, Jack Wagner. He, it was like his 30th time he's played in this tournament. These these are guys that are borderline scratch golfers, and Steph Curry. Well, John leaped. Smoltz is, yeah. is an incredible he, golfer. He was, I think, yeah. he's in tenth. But this guy, Steph Curry, all of a sudden he just, okay, I'm going to go play golf, and now look at how good he is. It's incredible what a ridiculous athlete Steph Curry is. Uh, also, I want to really quickly mention LeBron James, if you didn't hear, will be playing at number 23 starting immediately. He he was grandfathered in with number six if he wanted to keep it. When, when Bill Russell died last year in August, they retired the number six across the NBA, and LeBron James says, you know what, I'm going to go back to number 23. I wonder if they'll retire 23 eventually because of LeBron James and Michael Jordan maybe put away for both of them. We'll see. Listen, we're out of time. Las Vegas Aviators said, big win last night. Down and check them out. Want to thank Spencer. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Brian Feldman. Every week we're here same time on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM, 1340 AM flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. Out of line. We will be back next week and we'll see you then. Bye-bye.